The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with RotoWire.com's lead prospect writer, James Anderson, along with special guest Ian Kahn from The Athletic. Ian, thanks for, so much for taking the time, and congrats to you guys on the launch of your draft kit today over at The Thank Athletic. You. And Thank you. Not Thank one, you. but two sets of Dynasty rankings, which will be our topic of discussion here today. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I don't. I feel like I'm not such a special guest anymore. I think I'm just like regular guest because I get <laughs> well, to. We don't I, have just, many guests on this podcast. Yeah, right, I know. You're pretty much the only guest we have on. I know. So that's why I, you know, I just feel like, uh, I, you know, my my gratitude to you guys always, as you know. Uh, so well, there yeah. you go. I yeah, appreciate man. it, and like I never left. You're the man. Of course, we appreciate all your contributions here, at Rotowire, for the past several years, and. Obviously, wish you the best. And, you know, usually when I see a new set of Dynasty rankings, and you acknowledge this in your your article, I skip through the, the text, you know. Same with, like, Love-Hate, if uh, 
the talented Mr. Roto writes it. I just skip the text and just get to the rankings. But you have in bold, stop, read this text. What do you yes. want people to know first and foremost about your dynasty ranks? First and foremost, this is what I'm going to answer that in a second. First, I got to speak to one thing. So, you know, last year around this time, it was about two months later, uh, I had a very clear memory of James doing um, the rebuild rankings. And I sort of thought that my rankings were still, but it was right when the pandemic hit and James was like, dude, we need to do content. And I did not realize at the time when I, when I started doing this, I thought I was coming up with this brand new, exciting idea that no one had thought of, which was, hey, and it was something that that uh, very nice person. What's her name? Was it Susan? Uh, Jen, Jenny Butler. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jenny Butler. My apologies, Jenny. Five letter name. That's why I got confused. I do that. All, it happens to me all the time. Um, and Jenny Butler wrote to both James and I, I think, sort of saying, hey, when are you guys going to do one for – uh, rebuilding teams and for teams that are playing for now. At the same time that that was happening, Ariel Cohen reached out to me and said, why aren't you doing, I'm not going to do my Ariel Cohen impression. I'll say that <laughs> for my show. Um, I did that yesterday. It was a big hit. I, it is, it is pretty funny. So if we have time at the end, maybe I'll do it again. He does not mind. He enjoys it <laughs> tremendously. Um, but he said, when are you going to do both pond? You should do both of them. I mean, if you're going to do, and I said, I said, Ariel, I don't have freaking time, dude. Come on, man. It's hard enough to do a top blah, blah, blah. So then when I was moving over from you guys to The Athletic, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to do it. I got a little lead time, and I'm going to surprise everybody, and I'm, you know, I'm going to look like such a genius because nobody's ever done this. So I did my podcast yesterday, and Nando's like, dude, it's so great. Unbelievable. What a great idea. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I thought of it. Yeah, I really are. Nice, Mark. And then I'm talking to James because we're doing our uh, <laughs> NFBC we're doing an NFBC team together right now, 400 uh, draft, which is going remarkably fun and well. And he's like, uh, dude, uh, remember I did it last uh, April? I was like, no, 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 you didn't do it. You just did the rebuild. He's like, no, dude, I, I did them both. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? So I'm like, I run to the phone. I'm like, Nando, there's a line in the article you got to take out. And so anyway, what I have to say is like, and if it was at like a different site, it would make more sense and it would be a little less annoying, but like you're my partner and I didn't catch it because there's a pandemic going on. So I'm taking my mea culpa here. I'm going to take it again next week on under the radar and say, it's a great idea. I have brilliant. It's actually, I think the way dynasty rankings could and should be done. Great idea, James Anderson. Well, I, I think the key point is like, Jenny hit us both up on Twitter. Uh-huh. Like it wasn't even my idea. It was her idea. And she sent it to both of us. Like it's not a, some, it's, it's not, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have like a copyright on this idea and I didn't even no, come up with I, it. So, you know. I, no, I, I, I appreciate that. But, but when I was talking about it yesterday, I had talked about Ariel cause that was the name, that was the moment that I used to sort of do the work. And frankly, it's a tremendous amount of work. And because yeah. it's it's really scary because every player needs to be accounted for on both lists, right? And I'm sure there's a mistake. Like, I'm sure there's somebody who's going to say, how do you have this guy? And, and I'm waiting for it. Hasn't happened yet. They dropped last night at midnight. Okay, now to answer your question, Clay, that I said that and I, I just, I need to say that because I wanted to say that. Thank you for letting me say that. So there's two lists. There's the rebuild list and there's the playing for now list. The rebuild list is really a startup draft list. That's the idea behind it. Also, the players that I think people should be looking towards while they're doing their rebuild, once they make the decision to go towards the rebuild. The play for now list is your basic list that I was doing at Rotowire for the last number of years. And so here's, here's the key thing why I say stop, read this. On the list, 
Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. on the rebuild list is at number 40. Jacob deGrom is at number 39. If you're trading based on the rebuild list, you could trade Jacob deGrom for Bobby Witt Jr. And if you do that, the worst thing you ever did was read that list because that's not the right pricing on that. On the what, what I want people to do is look at the rebuild list and then look to the regular list for the pricing. So on the regular list for pricing, we've got Jacob deGrom. I've got Jacob deGrom at 21 and Bobby Wood Jr. at 75. So you're going to need to bring a player who's 75. You're going to need a guy who's in the in the 50s on that list, maybe a guy around 108 on that list. And you combine all those pieces together to come up with the 21st ranked player in baseball. So it's it's there. It can be dangerous. That's why I really wanted to make that point. Did I did, did I describe that well, Clay? Yeah, I absolutely think so. And it's easy to see why you are a professional actor, and your impressions are top-notch. Uh, we appreciate those. And, no, it's totally right because, yeah, if you just scroll through the text and you don't really understand the context, you could yeah. uh, shoot yourself in the foot a little bit. You really could. Like you could get yourself into a world of hurt, mm-hmm. and, and that's something – that's why I put that read – no, you have to read this – don't, you know, and now once I think once people understand when the next rankings come out, I'm probably going to still have to do that. I'll, I'll probably always do that and really make a point of it. But I do think there's upside to the to the idea. And I had a good time doing it. It was very challenging, but fun. Nice. There's a question I want to ask so, both you and James. But James, go ahead first before I do that. No, no, you go. OK, I was just going to ask you both, like, who's the most difficult type of player to rank with these? Um Obviously, it, it varies depending on which set of ranks, either for rebuilders or contenders. Uh, but is there a certain subset of player, Ian, that you found was particularly tough to rank or value? They're all challenging in their own way, really. I mean, there's the Teoscar Hernandez guy who is in his just tipping over to age 28. 29 going into his age 29 season right do you consider him like a really getting older outfielder or is he a guy on the rebuild list that you could hold because he's going to give you three years four years um uh, but they're all challenging because they're they're all so darn specific in their own way and it's part of why look i mean as soon as i we i let you guys know i was moving to athletic the first thing i said was the day my rankings come out I'm coming back on the podcast. I hope we continue doing it so James and I can talk through uh, this stuff. So, James, what, what, what's your play on this? Well, what did you find? I think the the nice thing about doing the two sets of rankings is it makes a lot of these guys easier to rank because you have a very clear goal in mind and you're, you're either trying to win the league or you're trying to put the most talent you can together for the long haul. Uh, the tough part is when you're doing – a set of rankings that are kind of just broad and supposed to be interpreted by everyone that plays in dynasty leagues, because um, like a guy like Max Scherzer, you know, only a 30 year league tops can really use Max Scherzer for anything other than a trade chip. Like yeah. the, the other people, like there's no reason to go get him. I mean, if you have him, you're just trying to trade him and you're trying to find the right time to trade him. So those, those are the players that I think are the toughest to rank if you're not specifying rebuilding or contending because they just have such kind of a narrow uh, amount of value on certain teams, but a ton of value on other teams. It's part of, it's part of what made it fun to do. I mean, I, I rank Scherzer really low. I, I really do. I, I think I'm lower on Scherzer in dynasty um, than most people. Um, he's uh 
He's really just at the tail end, and the only place that he belongs is on a team that's competing, period, because he's on borrowed time. I mean, I think he probably has another – he could have another two years of really good value, but he also could have another month. He could he could be done. I mean, we don't know. But, uh, you know, when I see him in NFBCs being drafted at 25, it makes me a little nervous as a, as a Scherzer owner. But I, I want to follow – I want to follow up really quick. So, like, let's just say you have Max Scherzer or you Darvish, uh, and you're you kind of see the writings on the wall. You're not going to really be able to compete this year. You probably need to suck it up and enter a bit of a rebuild. Do you think the time to trade those guys is like now? Minimize the risk, like they don't get hurt during spring training, or do you roll the dice and wait until? a team is ready to make that all in move mid season and mm-hmm. really cash out. The problem, the problem with that is especially for Darvish. If you, if you wait, he's at the top of his value right now. In in some ways, his top dynasty value, he's never been as good as he was this past year and the end of the year before my concern about Darvish is any little hinky moment for a pitcher and all the value goes away, which is why I have, I think both of us have bats so dramatically higher than than everyone else. Uh, so I, I, I say trade them now. That's that's my vibe. Um, I like to trade guys in season who are uh, thriving in season, right? I like to trade guys in the off season who have done well. If I, I think the the I think the arrows going down on Scherzer could come up this year. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me if he comes through with. But he's thirty seven. You know. He's 37, and he threw that. I still think that that World Series run that he had took some starch out. I mean, if we look at what happened with Bumgarner, you look at what happened. I think that there's his velocity was down last year. He wasn't hitting. He eventually got up to 97, 98, but he wasn't living there like he had been in the, in, in the past. Awesome guy. Love him. What a, one of the best pitchers, certainly, of our generation, um, but... No, he's just, if you can get value for Scherzer, I just don't think he can. I mean, do you, do you guys think you can get value for Scherzer in a, in a dynasty? The reason I, the reason I asked that about Scherzer is because like even the contending teams, I feel aren't that interested in like giving you their, you know, whatever their second best prospect or whatever for, for Scherzer right now, but they might be willing to be like, okay, fine. I'll suck it up and I'll do it because I need another horse to catch up to these other two guys that are a few points ahead of me in the standings like mid season. Yeah. Like that might be your only opportunity to actually get a haul for Scherzer. Whereas if I, if you trade yeah. him right now, you're not getting a haul. I, no, yeah. no. So, so I would argue Darvish now because his value couldn't be any higher. He's still 33, 34 years old. He doesn't have that much time left, but he's being drafted as the number four pitcher in, in redraft leagues, number five pitcher. You can get a lot of value for for Darvish right now. You really can, not a ton, but you can get a good amount. And uh, but Scherzer, if you want to tell me that you want to, if if, if you told me you're going to hold Scherzer to show that he is Scherzer to trade him, that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, Darvish less so for me. Yeah, I mean the Scherzer trend goes back to 2019, and of course the age is getting up, ton of mileage. I actually was just offered Scherzer in the dynasty league. Uh, Sirius XM Dynasty League, and I want to apologize to Lenny Melnick, the legend, because I just didn't get back to him. What he offered you, um, and maybe you didn't have anything to That's the thing, we, we were so far apart that I just figured it's not going to happen. Well, what did he offer you? Uh, he That'll offered be- me Scherzer for Austin Riley, Jose Urquidy, Brad Hand, Rafael Montero, and Aaron Savali. 
Um, no. So I just couldn't. I mean. <laughs> Clay, Clay, how many times have you won that league? Uh, all three times it's it's been in existence every year. <laughs> really? So Adam, I, man. I'm glad you're not in it. James, I'm glad you're not in it. Um, but I, wanna, I got another okay. question that I'd like to get both of your opinions on. Mistakes novice dynasty players make. Any common ones? We'll start with you, Ian, that you see regularly with, with new dynasty players. Mm. Well, I mean, many, <laughs> a lot. Um, it, it's like poker, right? You want to make the, you want to get in the hand with the with the guy who doesn't quite know what they're doing. And there's so many different things. I'll, I'll just go with this: the Pringles. I, I like to call it the Pringles move. Um, this is a really bad thing to do. And even expert dynasty players fall into this trap. You decide you're going to rebuild. Let's say you take over a new team. You're going to rebuild. And what you start doing is you make a trade. You make your first trade. And then everyone goes, ooh, fresh meat. I'm going to make an offer. I'm going to make a trade. I'm going to make a trade. I want to make a trade with this guy. Sometimes it makes sense to make your first trade be not so big and lose it by a little bit, which kind of signals to everybody, hey, you should try to come after me. Because then you get into the pot with them. And then you see like what happens. Problem is then you make a good trade. And everyone's like, wow, what a trade. Great trade, dude. That was awesome. Oh, my God, what great value. So then what you want to do is you want to make the next trade and the next trade. And you just you will force trades when you get into the I call it the Pringles, the Pringles syndrome. Gentlemen, don't fall into the Pringles syndrome. You got to make your trades. Stop. Breathe. See where things land. Don't just decimate your team. I mean, we and we've seen a league that we're in, James, we were talking about a, a player who did this last year who just didn't stop and just never caught and, and gave away so much value. And you just have to be careful about that. So I'd so, say so I'd the say Pringles, the Pringles reference is into like once you pop, you can't stop. Right. That's right. Once you pop your first trade, <laughs> can't stop. And you got to stop. Just one to clarify. Put away. Put away I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess there are people who might not know that commercial. <laughs> once you pop, you can't stop. Once you pop, you can't stop. James. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's maybe not a, um, like beginning of a dynasty league type of mistake, but I just think, uh, the worst place you can be is, is, uh, in the middle, but trying to make win now moves when it's just unrealistic. Like when you're just basically finishing, let's say it's like a 20 team league and every year you're finishing in that, like, 14 to eight range, but you don't, it's not like you have this loaded farm system that's on the way. And it's not like you're a trade or two away from being a big time contender yet. You just continue to make these moves where you're just trying to get better uh, at the big league level. Like you, you need to just be extremely realistic with yourself about where your team's at, because otherwise you're just waste. You're not going to be picking high enough in that first year player draft the next year to get those elite guys but you're also just kind of spinning your wheels trying to compete in the short term. Um, so that, that, I mean, that's not even a knob. Like, that's not like even a beginner thing. Like I see this with people that have been in leagues for like four five, six years. And it's just like, they can't, uh, they're not, they're too impatient to go through that multi-year rebuild that, that they kind of need to go through. I got you. Can I, can I throw in a, a thought about that too? Of course. Clay? Yeah, of course. Um, I, 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 let me add to that. There's even something worse and this is the worst. It's the guy who decides in June that he's tired of rebuilding and decides that they want to make their team better. That's the most dangerous. That's that's the worst thing you can do. Like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuild. I'm going to rebuild. It's like, you know what? I'm so sick of seeing my name at the bottom of the standings. Just I, I just want to get some good players. I just want to have some fun. 
<laughs> doing that is is uh, I, there's one player in a league I played with many years ago who did that all the time every year. And then you could just it was like clockwork. So I'll trade you. You can give me I'll give you the prospects in the offseason and give me your players. And now we're coming to May 15th. Which is always a you know that end of the end of April beginning of May is when people start to change their ideas of where they want to go, and it's like you know I just I want to go for the money. It's like never go for the money. Don't go for the money. Just <laughs> don't gonna, go for the money. Go for the win. Say, James, you were just at me next time. Uh, you're subtweeting me. No, I'm kidding. But I in, in RDI, RIP to RDI. But I was kind of you know that was my big mistake was from day one draft day just toe in the line. Not really committing one way or the other, and that was the case throughout the, the years of that league. Where it's like, you know, always in that in that six to fourteen range, as you described, James. So um, yeah, that is a I lesson mean, I, a, I had to learn. There's a league, Devils Rejects, that James and I are in. We're not partners, which is not as much fun. But um, in this league, I was speaking to one of the owners trying to make a trade this weekend, and he was like, "You know, your your team doesn't make any sense to me." I was like, "Really?" And he said, "I don't think you're playing dynasty baseball right." I said, "Okay." And he said, uh, "Because you you you're just you keep taking major league guys in this draft, and it's a different setup. I mean, I think a 45 man roster, we keep 28, and we're playing for now." And right now, and we have four or five good prospects that we really like, but I'm just accumulating as much talent as I can in this year because we're trying to win. Wilson Caraman and I are trying to win this year. And next year, our team is pretty good, and it's going to move forward really, really well. But it's like you don't have to – he said you got to – if you're – you know, there's no need to go all in. You should always keep 25%. Not necessarily. Yeah. Like if you're going for it, and if you're not buying I, – I don't, I don't advocate – buying the Michael Brantley's of the world and the Max Scherzer's of the world, because then you get an old, but if you're buying young, strong talent, it's just the way to go. Anyway. That's yeah. Just you just, I just had one foot in one foot out and it just, no, can't do it. Frustrating. And you can't, you absolutely can't. It, it, people don't understand. There's nothing more fun than rebuilding in a dynasty league. It's the best mm-hmm. because you're picking up players off the wire and then flipping them and then just continue. Just, it doesn't matter what positions, just fill your team with value, just get as much value as you can until the time comes that you have enough value that you can go back into the game. Yeah, and if you're just starting a dynasty league at launch, like have a plan. I know James, you kind of like to play for year two. Uh, one of the teams in RDI, I forget the owners exactly. Tom, something. I'm Greg sorry, and Tom. Greg and Tom. Yeah, um, they were playing for many years down the road, so they were kind of like punting on day one, but. You know, I was I didn't have a clear plan and was kind of playing both sides, and it, it didn't work out for me. Never. Um, I, I'm with James. I never play for the first year. That's one of the reasons why we did well together. But I never play for year one in a startup dynasty league ever. I'm always I I, I want to invest in twenty. Let's say I'm doing a startup this week. I'm going to invest in 2021. I'm not doing anything in 2021. Then 2022, I'm moving towards the money. And then 2023, we've got the championship in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026, there might be an injury, so we might come in second. 2027, we'll get the championship <laughs> back. That's what you want. Yeah. That's how you want to build. You got to take a little bit of, you know, it's like going to, you want to be a doctor, go to medical school for four years, pay the price, and you get to be a rich person who drives a, you know, Tesla for the rest of your life. It's sort, sort of similar to that. I want to get your thoughts, guys, on just kind of a general strategy thing with Dynasty Leagues, another one. You know, you see a guy post on their trade block, you see some players you like, you're interested. What's the process for you with, with engaging them? James, let's start with you this time. Um, you know, I I think this is this is kind of where 
Ian's expertise is um, ahead of mine. Like, I'm just, I'm not as active uh, unless if I see someone um, who I maybe have gotten the better of in a trade in the past or something like that, and they're updating their block. Uh, of course, I'm I'm going to be interested, and um, you know sometimes I'll just send an offer uh, unsolicited. Sometimes I'll send an email or a direct message or something like that, and just sort of say like, "Hey, like, kind of like these guys." I might even lie about the exact players I'm interested in, mm. um, and just you know, depending on who the, the other manager is. But um, you know, you basically just kind of want to get a conversation rolling. If, if it's a manager who I've just never really had success coming to terms with on a, on a trade in the past, or I just like, there's managers I, I play against where like, I just don't think they ever are going to accept an offer unless they think they're clearly winning the offer. And so I just don't even interact with those people when it comes to trades, but um, it really depends on who's posting uh, the, the update to their trade block. Um, and then I'll approach it kind of in different ways. You know, seeing you, Ian, any uh, any approach that you generally take when you're first reaching out with somebody about a trade? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a slightly different question, but um, here's what I'll tell you: every every player I treat, every player in the league is treated differently by me in terms of how I approach them in trades, because different guys want different stuff. One thing I'll tell you is I never or hardly ever post on the trade block unless I'm in talks about that player and about to move them. And here's why. Once you post on the block a guy that you want to move, you're automatically dropping 10% of their value off the top because you're already talking about moving them. If I've got a guy that I think, like Michael Pineda is a guy. Turns out James Anderson likes Michael Pineda quite a bit. Okay? If I, and I own Michael Pineda in the Devil's Rejects, I'm not going to put Pineda on the block. I'm going to reach out to James Anderson and I'm going to say, hey, look, you've got this. I've got Pineda. Can we find a way to make this work? Because otherwise you're, you're giving away power in, in the conversation. I've said this before. I like being on the phone both ways. And it's not just, I mean, some people are like never get on the phone with Ian Khan. That's not right. Get on the phone with me. And here's why, because I'm going to get information from you and you're going to get information from me and we're going to close a deal. And what people always say is, damn, man. And what, you know, everyone says, well, you're, you're always winning trades. No, I'm not always winning trades. And certainly not when we're on the telephone. What happens is we find a way that it works best for both teams. I, I don't think I said this on your show, but the difference between I'm playing with all these poker players now in this league, Brett, Sarah and I share a, 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 a league and and I'm talking to these poker players. I'm like, look, it's not like poker where one of us is going to win the pot and the other one goes away empty handed. Like the goal here is that both of us make our teams better. And the two lists at the athletic or the draft kit drop today and subscribe, please, please subscribe. Um, the lists are there to help you find how those match up best. And that's, that's what it's about. And, and so, and what people say is like, wow, you know, I, I was really expecting, you really do make fair offers. And that's the trick. If you make an offer that is unfair to someone else, you're poisoning the well. Like I like to make an offer. I always do this. My first offer to somebody is an offer that they might take. I don't play the negotiation game. I don't play. I don't like playing the squeeze game with people at all. I'd rather give you a little bit more of an edge to get what it is that I want and what it is that you want. People are like, wow, yeah, actually, that that's pretty good. Wow, I'm surprised. I, I accept. 
that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I know how to value it and figure it out. There are tricks. There are little, little tricks to help nudge. Go ahead, James. I think with, with what you were just saying about like making fair offers, I think it's it's important to take the time, take 10, 15 minutes before you make the offer to make sure that it makes sense. Because like yeah. the, the times when I've sent like a BS offer, it's because I just did it in like two minutes and just was, was kind of in a rush and was just like, Oh, I, I like that player. Like here's an offer. And then I'll come back and be like, Oh, actually that was a crappy offer. I shouldn't have sent that. I should have taken more time to kind of look at what this guy might be interested in. Or, um, you know, I, I think you, you have to take the time, um, to make a good, fair, smart offer. For yeah. sure. And ahead, when sorry, you, I'm sorry. Just when you send out a crappy offer, you're cutting off communication long term too. That's just what I wanted. To yeah, add. I mean it's it's recoverable for sure. Yeah, it's recoverable. But you got to go. You got to look. I look at it from the other guy's point of view. What does this look like to him when he sees it or her? What does it look like to them when they see this offer? Does this make their team better? Does this fill holes for them? Does this feel like good value to them? Also, look, I look at passion, too. If someone's on a, on a radio show talking about how much they love a player, and I don't agree with that evaluation, I own the player, that player is going to be on the I'm going to be on the phone with that guy, that person, within a day saying, look, I know you like the guy. I like him, too. Uh, but you got this guy. Do you like this guy? Because I really like this guy's on your team. I'll give you this guy for this guy, and maybe we'll do a draft pick swap. I think just communication Actually, honesty and openness is a good thing and trying to find a deal that works best for both players. So Tim McLeod, who is the nicest man in fantasy baseball, except for maybe Clay Link, but I still got Tim McLeod. Tim McLeod's got years on you, brother. Um, Tim McLeod taught me that when I first started playing the game, and and I I stick by that. Nice. And yeah, I I say pick up the the phone when Ian calls. I mean, you just it's hard to tell him no. Uh, But if you you just got to learn to tell Ian no. No, no. Sometimes... I've I've been in trades with people. Because you're such where, a nice guy. Well, not not always. <laughs> not always. Don't I hear you, but I just I just know that you know anybody who says, "Oh, I'm going to get ripped off by Ian." I mean, that's not the case at all. I mean, if you're no, there have been times where I've been in on trades where someone's willing to give me more than I should get, and I've stopped them. I said, <laughs> "Come on now, I got at least you let me." Are a nice uh, guy. I'm going to add a, a pick. Well, it's also, you you know, if you if you want to trade any more than 60-40 on the face, you're not doing anybody any good. Yeah. You know, and the value, people are like, oh, it's the trades, it's the trades. That's why you, you, you win by trade. No, you win by pickups on Sundays. You win by finding the guys who are going to grow and then flipping those for other players. It's picking up the Jared Walsh for a buck. It's picking up the Zach Gallon for a buck before he becomes that gallon that then you can have on your team forever. I mean, that that's, that's the thing that differentiates. I think, I mean, yes, there's value. There are going to be trades that happen, but you're going to make mistakes too. I've made some mistakes, man. I made some trades that deeply, you know, you're in your, it's more easy to remember the ones that you screwed up to be honest. That's true. hundred, hundred percent. Like, yeah. I, I, like, you know, we've all met, like, I mean, you and I have probably made, triple digit trades just in the past like five years if we factor in all the leagues we're in and i i always remember the the ones i screwed up and i can barely remember the ones that i I remember once when we traded for felipe uh, felipe vasquez right didn't we trade for him like right at the end of the season gave up like a bunch because we were we were in the and then you know and i was out of baseball so is that this one am i saying the right guy they got the pittsburgh pirates really yeah yeah yeah. 
Yep. I remember in the Staff Keeper League 2, this is like the only trade that really sticks out in my mind from that league, but trading you, James Carlos Correa, a couple years before he debuted for Arismendi Alcantara. <laughs> and maybe a pick. Not, not great. So, that, yeah, the bad ones always do stand out. But, Ian, I wanted to follow up with you. I, I know sure. you're not, like, predatory when it comes to trades at all. You do like to talk on the phone. Um, yes, very much. But is there a way you maybe – you know, maybe you like somebody, or maybe you've seen them make some questionable trades, and you, you do want to to make some moves with them, but you don't want to put them on high alert. Is there a is there a, a way you capitalize without maybe tipping your hand a little bit? I just call that, them. <laughs> I just that call question, them. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, no, I just call thing. them and I say, "Hey, good trade. I uh, see so you're making some moves. You want to? Is there a guy here? You know, I, I try to. It's Everyone does that, right? You see a guy make a trade and you go, whoa, whoa. And you want to find out, like, what were you thinking to make that trade? Well, okay, can I? Can we think that way for my team too? Let's, <laughs> let's find a way to, to make that happen. Um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an art. Actually, trading is an art. It's, and it's a skill, but it's an art. And you got you to gotta feel where the other person's at. The one thing you, that I've learned through the years, if they don't want to do it, you don't push. Yeah. All good, man. No pressure. Like you're not held and I never hold anybody to anything. Like if, if you say, well, you know, I'm kind of thinking that and yeah, Ian, think about that. And I go and I think about it and then I come back to them and like, you know, Ian, I mean, I said that I would do it, but I'm kind of having second thoughts about it. I say, dude, you're good. It's not, it's not official till it's official because you don't want, I don't want anybody feeling bad. No one should press accept on a trade. They're not excited about. I don't want anybody doing that ever. It's no fun. And part of the game is fun. And these are you guys are my friends. These these people are my friends. I I don't want them to not have a good time. I hope so, that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely, James. Ian, you mentioned that team that you and Brett uh, co manage, yeah. um, and I know <laughs> that you you and a bunch of the guys from DR were uh, talking about just sort of strategy and sort of deciding, you know, like how do you know when it's time? Yeah, if you're playing for year two. If you're playing for year three. Like, how do you know when it's time to start moving those prospects? Uh, because you definitely you don't want to be too impatient. No, you can't be. Trade your prospects before they've fully you know gotten to their their high point in value. Um, so, how do you really know when it is time to kind of push that that button? Well, this team is is uh, bizarre, um, and it's 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 a slightly different story than most teams. In most leagues, because it's a thousand dollar year buy in, and Brett and I are splitting it, right? And I was like, I don't really know if I want to do that. It's going to change the way I think about the game. But what we did, and we both went in with the same, and we said, yeah, well, let's team up. <laughs> like, we'll team up. I was like, I'm teammates with James. I can be teammate with Robert Mershak, with Wilson Caraman. It's a good thing to do in Dynasty Leagues. I do like teaming up. Um, so we had the first pick in the draft. I'm going to go through this really quickly because it's worth it and it's shocking. We took um, Acuna 1 because we had the first pick. Then we took uh, Eloy at 30, 20, not 30, whatever it is. And then um, Keston here at 31. And the way it's set up is like a score sheet league where you only keep your major league players. And then you can – so we had the first four picks in the draft. So we had coming to us and we drafted Torkelson, Austin Martin, Someone had dropped Mike Soroka, and actually we dropped Keston Hira, so we only kept two players. We only kept Eloy. We knew we were going to get Hira back, or we expected that we would. But the whole thing was to get Torkelson, really Torkelson, and then Martin. But on this team we have, I'm just going to read it really quick, 
Um, it's all players, and if they once they lose their rookie eligibility, they become in this other thing. So I'm just going to read down from the top. Mountcastle, Hura, Madrigal, Acuna, Dylan Carlson, Eloy, Kirilov, Brendan Rodgers, Francisco Alvarez, Adley Rutschman, Austin Wells, Andrew Vaughn, Nolan Gorman, Austin Martin, Spencer Torkelson, C.J. Abrams, Nick Gonzalez, Marco Luciano, Bobby Witt Jr., Jazz Chisholm, Joe Adele, Corbin Carroll, Jason Dominguez, Jared Kalanick, Trevor Larnock, Helio Ramos, Julio Rodriguez, Alec Thomas, Taylor Trammell, and Zach Veen. That's a 15-team dynasty league. That's not so the question, the line. It was it's a clear plan in place, it seems without like. question. And nobody else was playing the plan. So it left everybody open to us. We got we have the top, we have 18 in the top 20. The one guy we don't have, Royce Lewis, rest in peace. So sorry. Um but tough, yeah, tough That's horrible. Today. I yeah, saw that really, this morning. Not rest in peace. That's not what I mean. Obviously, I don't mean yeah. that. So I was talking with the Devil's Rejects guys. We were doing the night of the draft. Uh, Tom Trudeau put this thing together. It was really fun. And some of the best minds in Dynasty all coming together. And Brett and I sort of said, this is where we're at. We have a team here. And we could we could sell off four or five top 20 hitting prospects and make a team to compete this year which would then put us in the money because it's a thousand dollar a year buy-in. So if you come in third, I think you get four. If you get no two. And then if you come in second, you get four. And if you come in first, you get eight, something like that. I don't know what the math is. Maybe it's two, five and eight. So if we get five grand to share between us, that would be fun. If we wait another year and we let the fruit stay on the tree a little longer, we'll probably have a longer line of dynasty victories, but that might not be smart either because once we're so locked in is the by far, you know, Winner, when are these guys going to just, I fold, I'm out, I'm out of this league, I'm out of this league. So we were talking about, like, where where is the balance? Okay, great, that's what we were talking about. But the reality is, because they're poker players, and they're in a $1,000 a year, nobody wants to play for the future. They're like, I don't want to play for the future, I want to play for now. So th- the prices on the prospects I'm finding are slightly different because of that. Um, and so it, it makes us... You know, our lineup is pretty great. It's uh, one catcher league. So Molina, and it's not great, but it's good with all those prospects coming. We've got Molina catcher, Mountcastle first, Hura second, Keyboom third, Orlando Orsia shortstop. Obviously nothing great here. Corner infield, Choi, middle infield, Madrigal. And then outfield is good. Acuna, Rosarena, Carlson, Jimenez, Kirilov. And then two util spots in Garcia and Brendan Rodgers. If we move four or five guys from the top of that list, we could populate the team. And so that was what that that that's that was what the uh that was what the conversation was about. And ha- have I given enough uh James, what do you think of where we are in our plan? We're still staying open to what happens next. But what what do you think based on all that you just heard? Yeah, I mean, I think it it's a key point that you made about uh if you put together too much of a juggernaut with that type of buy-in you worry about the league's viability. Like the worst thing that could happen is that the league folds before you guys, before you guys take home a title. Right. Um, Yeah. It it won't fold that soon. It'll fold after our second title. When we win our second title with 140 odd points in a row and they see that there's nothing that's going to change that because this is a full on dynasty. There's no salaries. There's no keeper rules. It's just get everybody, keep everybody. I think we're, we're going to be pretty nasty, and it, it would be more fun. So we, we just have to figure, you know, we've got, there's a guy, really great guy, uh, who I've gotten to know this year, who wants Torkelson. Now, he's willing to pay for Torkelson, but do we want Torkelson? You know what I mean? Like, 
what's what's the balance there? If we're going to get, if we're going to get, oh screw it, I'll just tell you, Francisco Lindor straight up for Torkelson. Like, what do you do? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think you, yeah. you I take think you deal. take Lindor. Um, yeah. You have to. Not as much fun. I still love it, Lindor. But that is fascinating. Like, you have a plan, but then how much do you deviate? It's it's tough because you can't deviate too much or else you, you sacrifice uh, that window a little bit. A real quick note before we finish up here. I want to ask you guys a little bit about your draft champions you're doing together. But Auto New Fantasy Baseball is the next level fantasy baseball challenge you've been looking for. Experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters. Accumulate prospects to lead your team in the future or move for a superstar at the trade deadline. Keep your baseball mind engaged in the offseason with trades and arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Auto New becomes addicted at autonewbaseball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U baseball.com. Auto New, better fantasy baseball. Uh, before we do get into your draft champions that you're doing together through about 17 rounds, I hear. Any other dynasty topics on your mind? Uh, anything else you want to add to the dynasty conversation? Yeah, dynasty theory is awesome. It's so much fun. There's so many different angles to play it from, and uh, I really love talking about it. And I love thinking about it and figuring out the best way to uh, to make your team the best, whatever it is. It's just it's a really great game. I I, I love it. I really do. I, I'm not bored of it. I love it. That's, That's it. I just want to say that I do love it too. I. I kind of miss RDI, but we did have an auto new draft last night, and I'll be I'll be scratching that dynasty itch uh, for for many years to come. So your guys' draft champions, since RDI did, you know, uh, shut down, you guys wanted to to team up, and I, I love yeah. it. You guys, uh, you know, you guys are both smart, and then you, when you put your minds together, I mean, this could be a juggernaut here. You went with Trey Turner in the first. I pick seven. Uh, pick seven. Okay, I like that. You took him over Trout, did you not? Yeah, I, that was that was probably me. Um, no, I was good with it. I mean, I mean yeah, it. I, I, I just think it's uh, kind of imperative to get speed or pitching there. Um, and I and Trout could run again, but if he doesn't run again, yeah. The guy I, I wanted was the, the the argument I had, and it was just we didn't have a chance to discuss it beforehand, so there was nothing to be done. Was the pick at, us picking at seven? I would have preferred, I think, four or five, especially with what happened in the second round, knowing it, because I just think Soto is so much. Soto and Betts, to me, are the two guys that I'm targeting at the top of those at four or five. Because, you know, Cunha's going to go, Tatis is going to go. Sometimes Soto gets grabbed in those top two. But um, but you can't argue Trey Turner, man. I mean, he he's if he comes through, he puts us in position not just to win our league, but to compete for the overall, which is you know, the charm of what we're thinking. We're like, perhaps we'll win the overall together. Yes, <laughs> hey, it's possible. We talked to Rob DiPietro, and he beat out, I think, 4,000-plus teams. So it's it's a long shot, but you want to you wanna aim for that overall if you can. Play Link won the overall in TGFBI in 2019. <laughs> I'm quite sure everyone remembers, and if you don't, please do. And I'm going to be competing against him in AL Labor in about <laughs> – Two weeks, and so I'm oh, not sure I want to be telling you too much stuff about the, what I was thinking about in this draft. But here we go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I beat out like 195 teams, not 4,000 plus like Rob did. But you, this draft champions overall is winnable if you had the right build. But I think Turner is a great pick because yes, with that I in like mind, James, you just keep it your was options James's open. Call. I mean, this is how we do it. One of us has a call, and the other one says, "I agree." You know, nice. it's how James and I 
tend to do it. So he was really like, I was like, ah, I kind of feel like Trout here. He's like, no, I think Turner, don't you think? I was like, okay, yeah, no, I see it. Let's go Turner. You got to have some uh, give when you're sharing a team. You got to. Oh, yeah. Well, we have a good, we got that. Like, yeah. we know how to do that already. You trust each other. That's that's a big thing. He's James Anderson. Yeah. Brandon Woodruff, you followed up with Zach Gallon. And then James and I were talking about your fourth hey, round. Slow pick. down, slow down, slow down. Okay. We took Brandon Woodruff, Clay. I know. What do you I, think of I that? Like we took Brandon, Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff at 24. <laughs> Clay, we did. Clay was trying to Clay was trying to zoom past I was trying part to, of it. So. No, and I are going to be debating Woodruff <laughs> at First Pitch Florida online soon enough. I, you know, I'm not going to hate on it. I just think there are probably better better options available. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's as ruthless as Clay will get. Yep, and, that's pretty ruthless. Okay, now okay. we can move on. We just I know. I I get it. I just no, maybe I have it. some anti homerism being up here in Wisconsin. And I yeah. kind of hate on the Brewers a little bit. I think, well, it's you Reds fan, you freaking <laughs> fans. Um, I, I do like Rudolph's skills. I just don't know if the workload's going to be there. To you and you thing. will be, look, well, I'm going to be on this show sometime in July talking about the newest rankings that just dropped. And Woodruff's going to be on the IL. And we're going to be sitting here eating our, our you know, hats. And you'll or he'll be, like, be a top 10 guy. One of the two. Yeah, one of those. And then we took Zach Gallon, which I've never done. Um, and this was... Uh, you know, I watch film on him. What a beautiful pitcher, man. I mean, he's really, really good. And then who's after that? Yeah, who's after yeah, that? Gallon, I love. And then we were talking about this pick on the XM show last week because you guys were making calls in between segments and talking it through. Yeah. It sounds like you couldn't really settle on a hitter you like, James, kind of like Vladdy. Oh, you, right. Ian, kind of like Aaron Judge at this pick. But since you couldn't really come to terms, you guys both settled on a third straight pitcher, your first relief pitcher, Liam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Can you talk yeah. us through that decision-making? You want to do it, James, or should I? Well, I, I think it, in hindsight, it, it kind of worked out perfectly just because we got Luke Boyd with our next pick. And, right. um, you know, closer, like the, the runs at closer are pretty crazy. And um, I think Ian and I are both kind of off Josh Hader at his cost right now. Unquestionably. Uh, I, I like Chapman. But, I mean, this would have been too early, I think, for Chapman. I mean, Hendricks probably has, you know, I mean, he could be the number one closer by uh, by a healthy margin this year. I mean, he could have one of those types of seasons. So, um, you know, this kind of freed us up. You know, those four picks, you get the 30-plus deals from Turner, the two aces, and the top closer. Then from there, you can still kind of take any type of player you want because you don't have any... I mean, you, you need power, but um, I think it just kind of freed us up to to kind of go best player available more than we maybe would have been yeah, otherwise. And and, and sure. it was also us talking through like which closers we liked and trying to see where there was some um, overlap because you know if, if we just keep passing on closers because neither of us can agree, then all of a sudden we're stuck taking a guy that we don't really like that much anyway. Um, so I think this was kind of a good way to just get those saves on board. And also the the thing that I've learned through the years is you got to like, you got to take your medicine. I, maybe this is just my, my, my lesson for myself for the day is like, you gotta, you gotta pay the price so you can enjoy later because the worst feeling in a, in a 50 draft, 50 round draft is realizing that you don't have enough saves so that then you then spend picks 30 through 45 grabbing as many possible save guys as possible which is just, it just decimates your team in terms of depth. 
and you, have, you end up with yeah. all these middle relievers or setup guys. Maybe one so, or two pans out if you're lucky. Right, but and 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 you need to do it. And we're we really are. We're going for the overall here. We want to win our league, but we want to we want to put a statement up on the board. And taking Hendricks there, I'm a big fan of getting a closer that we feel really strong about. I think I was more pushing for Hendricks in that spot. And of all the closers, he's the one that I have the most faith in by far. I like the team. I, I like that he just signed this big contract. I think, you know, I think he's safe in the job. I think Chapman's safe in the job. I don't think I have no guarantee Hater's going to be safe in the job. Diaz. I mean, if you go down the list, who do you trust to close? Like three guys, five <laughs> guys, like for the whole thing. So you you gotta you gotta go get one of those guys if you want to win. I think. That's at least my belief, especially because there's no it's different in leagues where there's fab. There's no fab. There's no pickups of guys. There's no looking ahead in the old Tim McLeod way of, I think, well, you know, Ian, I think this guy's going to end up closing in about three weeks. You don't get to do that. Not in this game. Yeah, I, I like that, too, because you guys, I mean, emerged from your first four rounds with like a foothold in really every category. Um, not power. I, I mean, not power, but, but I mean, Turner's not a zero there. No, not a zero. And then next week, well, there we go. Yeah, you, you address that with Luke Voigt. And then yeah. Jose Altuve, I imagine, was a Ian a Lobby special where he kind of talked oh. you into it, James. Not really? No, no. Um, okay. I mean, there there were maybe a couple of those, but not, Al, not Altuve. I mean, no. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in him kind of where he's going. Like, you know, you compare him to uh, like Keston Hira, I mean, I, I think I'd go Altuve there. And I think it's just, it's kind of, you know, he's coming off of a down year, obviously. But, I mean, he's not as old as I think people think he is. And, uh, I mean, he's just going to help you in a little bit of everything, I think, over a full season. And also we had a plan for later that there was a guy that I was targeting. There's some power guys that I was targeting later for us that came to fruition. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... We wanted to balance that out. We're, one of my weaknesses in my game tends to be that I don't look at average enough. So I get to the end of the season, and last year, a lot of second place with a lot of average hurting. So it's something that I got to you know, I gotta improve. I'm good at parts of the game, not as good in other parts of the game. So I just wanted to keep my eye out on uh, on that. So that's nice, – yeah. no, Altuve was not – Altuve, I think we pretty much agreed on everybody here coming up. Yeah, because if we didn't agree, we found somebody we agreed on. Nice. Yeah, I just know that you were kind of the original in the this off season, like Altuve believer, and you just pointed out how good the postseason was. And that's right. Yeah, I that's mean, true. this guy was good for a decade, maybe a Hall of Famer. I mean, maybe the cheating scandal dings him a little bit, but the track record of him being good is just so long that you can't. Write we were taking him in the second round two yeah. years ago, in the in the end of the second first. overall, yeah, like three years ago. Yeah. So you know, I, I like guys like that. Yeah, I like guys running with, with bounce back. Maybe a little questionable, but who knows? Yeah, he can go. still run. He had one maybe Buxton, eight. Yeah, and Buxton can run a little bit. He didn't do much of that last year, but we know he still has that skill. Maybe uh, James had to be talked into Stanton. Maybe maybe that's the one he had to be talked into. Is that right? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't have – I mean, this is probably going to be the only team I have Stanton on, but I, I got the case for it. Uh, and I, I think kind of given – the rest of our team, I think it made a lot of sense. Yeah. What do you yeah, think that was, in of Stanton for redraft? I mean, I are you like a huge believer? Nah, I, I think he was very well worth the spot right there. He was somebody who we were 
that fell. The next guy was interesting to me, and Matt Chapman. I've never owned Matt Chapman. We had just missed out. We we wanted uh, Chris Bryant, and he got sniped from us. A couple of you know, and we were deciding between Stanton and Bryant. We're like, we think Bryant will make it, um, and he didn't. And then Chapman showed up, and I was like, Do you like Chapman? And James was like, Yeah, kind of do. Right? Isn't that how I went down? Well, yeah, I've, I've liked Chapman for a long time. I I am a little worried about the hip, but it just it sounds like, you know, he's, it sounds like he's in really good shape right now. Uh, and it sounds like he's got a lot to, to prove. Um, I mean, I, I think the and breakout the end year is, year. it's either going to come this year or next year for him where he just has a, a monster year. And he, they, and I had just read an article that said that he was really in great shape and he was really focused on the game. And so I, I was in on, I was in on, on Chappie and then uh, Gallo and then Carlson, Dylan Carlson fell. Pretty significantly, there. Yeah, he yeah, fell outside the top one fifty. Yeah, he fell outside of the almost top two hundred. I thought, didn't he? What pick number was that? I can. I can. Um, wait a second. I thought it was. I thought it was more of like one fifty five, one sixty five, something like that. What um, was his? What was? Like what is his? Round, maybe. I mean, he's been going around like pick one thirty. I want to say. Yeah. No, he was falling, and we considered him with a with a pick before. And then decided that we didn't want to uh, that we we were gonna just wait and we could find that talent somewhere else. And James is you know James is really high on Dylan Carlson, so I, I that was one where I was like, all right, let's go along. I'm along for the ride. Yeah, the adjustments I mean, he made seemed to to really pay off there. He was bad in cleanup for that team by the end. So. And then we got to uh, like, but but when he fell, I was like, all right, let's do it. And then after that, we went to uh, Richard Rodriguez, which was an interesting. We had an interesting. We were both watching film of him at the same time, and was sort of like, hey, "He's really only ninety two, ninety three. Like he's not going much harder than that." But at that point in the draft, to get that second closer that we really did feel like was going to have the job, just it, it just seemed too good to pass up. And we thought that was the end of that tier. And then uh, you want to tell the next one? Sure. Well, yeah, Chris Bassett. Sorry, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I, our next. I mean, the. The the exciting picks are kind of over for the most part. Um, but oh, hey, Jay Jay Candelario? Come on. Well, well hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ian, Ian and I did uh, really want uh, Candelario because um, okay. he's our corner infielder and he's eligible at first and third, which is just a really nice element of flexibility there. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially, probably... in, especially in a DC. And in, yeah, that's what I was going to say that it, it 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 his value goes up in that format for me. And I like him anyway, but his value went up there. And then Pineda, uh, which is how I know um, I've been calling my man James about Michael Pineda. And then um, Pineda and then Gavin Lux and then into Manny Margot. And the reason we took Manny Margot really at the end of the day is because in the original RDI draft, we drafted Manny Margot. And so anytime we can get it's like, you know, getting back our boys. So we, <laughs> getting the we, band we, back together. Yeah, get the band back together. I, I like I think Margot's going to play quite a bit and steal some. Quite a few bags, so I don't hate that at all. Nothing the either. Gallo pick, I just, I just can't take Gallo myself. But I, I imagine that was kind of one to address that power deficiency early on in the draft. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I mean, Gallo, I Gallo's, Gallo's not a huge target for anybody. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, at that point, with what we needed, it made some sense. And Richard Rodriguez, you know, I can't hate on that pick, but I do wonder, you know, that Pirates team's just tearing everything down when when he might go. Uh, we'll see, but uh, great stuff, Ian. We got to wrap things up here. I know you uh, 
you are kind with your time, and I don't want to keep you too long. But uh, anything else you want to mention that you got going on before we let you go? I'm lucky enough every week, even though I do this show like once a month or once every six weeks, uh, every week I do my podcast with uh, Derek Van Riper and Nando DeFino under the radar on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast. Uh, We come out Tuesdays, and now I am a writer over at The Athletic where I do my Dynasty Rankings. And uh, and I actually I just got to say one last time uh, the the draft kit dropped today at the Athletic. If you're not a, a subscriber, you should be a subscriber to the Athletic. You should be a subscriber to RotoWire. I've been saying that for years. I've meant it for years. I say it now. I mean it now. You get to read James Anderson. You get to read Clay Link. You get to read Jeff Erickson, Todd Zola, Jason Collette, some of the best in the game. So my tip of the cap to you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Ian, and thanks. Uh for all the hard work you put in at RotoWire, and congrats again on your new role at The Athletic. Read his uh, 2021 Fantasy Baseball Dynasty League rankings as part of The Athletic's draft kit, which just launched. Anything else you want to mention, James? Uh, dropped the uh, 
reached out to me and said, why aren't you doing, I'm not going to do my R.L. Cohen impression. I'll say that for my show. Um, I did that yesterday. It was a big hit. It is, it is pretty funny. So if we have time at the end, maybe I'll do it again. He does not mind. He enjoys it (laughs) tremendously. Um, But he said, when are you going to do both pond? You should do both of them. I mean, if you're going to do, and I said, I said, Ariel, I don't have freaking time, dude. Come on, man. It's hard enough to do a top blah, blah, blah. So then when I was moving over from you guys to The Athletic, I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to do it. I got a little lead time, and I'm going to surprise everybody, and I'm, you know, I'm going to look like such a genius because nobody's ever done this. So I did my podcast yesterday, and Nando's like, dude, it's so great. Unbelievable. What a great idea. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I thought of it. Yeah, I really are. Nice, Mark. And then I'm talking to James because we're doing our uh, <laughs> NFBC we're doing an NFBC team together right now, 400 uh, draft, which is going remarkably fun and well. And he's like, uh, dude, uh, remember I did it last uh, April? I was like, no, 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 you didn't do it. You just did the rebuild. He's like, no, dude, I, I did them both. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? So I'm like, I run to the phone. I'm like, Nando, there's a line in the article you got to take out. And so anyway, what I have to say is like, and if it was at like a different site, it would make more sense and it would be a little less annoying, but like you're my partner and I didn't catch it because there's a pandemic going on. So I'm taking my mea culpa here. I'm going to take it again next week on Under the Radar and say, it's a great idea I have. Brilliant. It's actually, I think the way Dynasty rankings could and should be done. Great idea, James Anderson. Well, I I think the key point is like, Jenny hit us both up on Twitter. Uh-huh. Like it wasn't even my idea; it was her idea, and she sent it to both of us. Like it's not it's a true. some. It's, <laughs> it's not. I, I don't have like a copyright on this idea, and I didn't even no, come up with I, it. So you know. I, no, I, I I appreciate that. But but when I was talking about it yesterday, I had talked about Ariel because that was the name. That was the moment that I used to sort of do the work. And frankly, it's a tremendous amount of work. And because it's, it's really scary because every player needs to be accounted for on both lists. Right. And I'm sure there's a mistake. Like I'm sure there's somebody who's going to say, how do you have this guy? And and I'm waiting for it. Hasn't happened yet. They dropped last night at midnight. Okay. Now to answer your question, Clay, that I said that. And I I just, I need to say that because I wanted to say that. Thank you for letting me say that. So there's two lists. There's the rebuild list and there's the playing for now list. The rebuild list is really a startup draft list. That's the idea behind it. Also, the players that I think people should be looking towards while they're doing their rebuild, once they make the decision to go towards the rebuild. The play for now list is your basic list that I was doing at RotoWire for the last number of years. And so here's here's the key thing why I say stop, read this. On the list, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. on the rebuild list is at number 40. Jacob deGrom is at number 39. If you're trading based on the rebuild list, you could trade Jacob deGrom for Bobby Witt Jr. And if you do that, the worst thing you ever did was read that list because that's not the right pricing on that. On the What, what I want people to do is look at the rebuild list and then look to the regular list for the pricing. So on the regular list for pricing, we've got Jacob deGrom. I've got Jacob deGrom at 21 and Bobby Wood Jr. at 75. So you're going to need to bring a player who's 75. You're going to need a guy who's in the in the 50s on that list, maybe a guy around 108 on that list. And you combine all those pieces together to come up with the 21st ranked player in baseball. So it's it's there. It can be dangerous. That's why I really wanted to make that point. Did I did, did I describe that well, Clay? Yeah, I absolutely think so. And it's easy to see why you are a professional actor, Ian. Your impressions are top-notch. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> those. And, no, it's totally 
Right, because, yeah, if you just scroll through the text and you don't really understand the context, you could yeah. uh, shoot yourself in the foot a little bit. You really could. Like, you could get yourself into a world of hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something – that's why I put that read – no, you have to read this – don't, you know, and now once I think once people understand when the next rankings come out, I'm probably going to still have to do that. I'll, I'll probably always do that and really make a point of it. But I do think there's upside to the to the idea. And I had a good time doing it. It was very challenging, but fun. Nice. There's a question I want to ask so, both you and James. But James, go ahead first before I do that. No, no, you go. OK, I was just going to ask you both, like, who's the most difficult type of player to rank with these? Um Obviously, it, it varies depending on which set of ranks, either for rebuilders or contenders. Uh, but is there a certain subset of player, Ian, that you found was particularly tough to rank or value? They're all challenging in their own way, really. I mean, there's the Teoscar Hernandez guy who is in his just tipping over to age 28. 29 going into his age 29 season right do you consider him like a really getting older outfielder or is he a guy on the rebuild list that you could hold because he's going to give you three years four years um uh, but they're all challenging because they're they're all so darn specific in their own way and it's part of why look i mean as soon as i we i let you guys know i was moving to athletic the first thing i said was the day my rankings come out I'm coming back on the podcast. I hope we continue doing it so James and I can talk through uh, this stuff. So, James, what, what, what's your play on this? Well, what did you find? I think the the nice thing about doing the two sets of rankings is it makes a lot of these guys easier to rank because you have a very clear goal in mind and you're you're either trying to win the league or you're trying to put the most talent you can together for the long haul. Uh, the tough part is when you're doing – a set of rankings that are kind of just broad and supposed to be interpreted by everyone that plays in dynasty leagues, because um, like a guy like Max Scherzer, you know, only a 30 year league tops can really use Max Scherzer for anything other than a trade chip. Like the, the other people, like there's no reason to go get him. I mean, if you have him, you're just trying to trade him and you're trying to find the right time to trade him. So those, those are the players that I think are the toughest to rank if you're not specifying rebuilding or contending because they just have such kind of a narrow uh, amount of value on certain teams, but a ton of value on other teams. It's part of, it's part of what made it fun to do. I mean, I, I rank Scherzer really low. I, I really do. I, I think I'm lower on Scherzer in dynasty um, than most people. Um, he's uh He's really just at the tail end, and the only place that he belongs is on a team that's competing, period, because he's on borrowed time. I mean, I think he probably has another – he could have another two years of really good value, but he also could have another month. He could could be done. I mean, we don't know. But, uh, you know, when I see him in NFBCs being drafted at 25, it makes me a little nervous as a a Scherzer owner. I want to follow follow up really quick. So, like, let's just say you have – Max Scherzer or you Darvish, uh, and you're you kind of see the writings on the wall. You're not going to really be able to compete this year. You probably need to suck it up and enter a bit of a rebuild. Do you think the time to trade those guys is like now? Minimize the risk, like they don't get hurt during spring training, or do you roll the dice and wait until a team is ready to make that all-in move mid-season and mm-hmm. really cash out? The problem the problem with that is especially for Darvish. If you if you wait, he's at the top of his value right now. In in some ways, 
his top dynasty value. He's never been as good as he was this past year and the end of the year before. My concern about Darvish is any little hinky moment for a pitcher and all the value goes away, which is why I have I think both of us have bats so dramatically higher than than everyone else. Uh, so I, I, I say trade him now. That's that's my vibe. Um, I like to trade guys in season who are uh, thriving in season, right? I like to trade guys in the off season who have done well. If I, I think the the I think the arrows going down on Scherzer could come up this year. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't shock me if he comes through with. But he's thirty seven. You know, he's thirty seven, and he threw that. I, I still think that that World Series run that he had took some starch out. I mean, if we look at what happened with Bumgarner, you look at what ha- I think that there's his velocity was down last year. He wasn't hitting. He eventually got up to 97, 98, but he wasn't living there like he had been in the, in, in the past. Awesome guy. Love him. What one of the best pitchers, certainly of our generation. Um, but no, nah, he's just, if you can get value for Scherzer, I just don't think he can. I mean, do you, do you guys think you can get value well, for that, Scherzer in a the, in a dynasty? The reason I the reason I asked that about Scherzer is because, like, even the contending teams I feel aren't that interested in like giving you their, you know, whatever their second best prospect or whatever for for Scherzer right now. But they might be willing to be like, okay, fine, I'll suck it up and I'll do it because I need another horse to catch up to these other two guys that are a few points ahead of me in the standings, like mid season. Yeah. Like that might be your only opportunity to actually get a haul for Scherzer. Whereas if I, if you trade yeah. him right now, you're not getting a haul. I, no, yeah. no. So, so I would argue Darvish now because his value couldn't be any higher. He's still 33, 34 years old. He doesn't have that much time left, but he's being drafted as the number four pitcher in, in redraft leagues. Number five pitcher. You can get a lot of value for, for Darvish right now. You really can not a ton, but you can get a good amount. And, uh, but Scherzer, if you want to tell me that you want to, if, if if you told me you're going to hold Scherzer to show that he is Scherzer to trade him, that makes a lot of sense too. A uh, Darvish less so for me. Yeah, I mean the Scherzer trend goes back to 2019, and of course the age is getting up, ton of mileage. I actually was just offered Scherzer in the dynasty league, uh, Sirius XM dynasty league, and I want to apologize to Lenny Melnick, the legend, because I just didn't get back. to <laughs> What do you offer you? Um, and then maybe you didn't have anything. That's the to thing. We, we were so far apart that I just figured it's not going to happen. Well, what did he offer? Uh, you? He offered me Scherzer for Austin Riley, Jose Urquidy, Brad Hand, Rafael Montero, and Aaron Savali. Um, no, so I just couldn't. I mean, Clay, <laughs> Clay, how many times have you won that league? Uh, all three times. It's it's been in existence <laughs> every year. Really? Three feet. <laughs> So man. I'm glad you're not in it, James. I'm glad you're not in it. Um, but I want—I got another question that I'd like to give both of your opinions on. Mistakes novice dynasty players make. Any common ones? We'll start with you, Ian. That you see regularly with with new dynasty players. Mm. Well, I mean, many, <laughs> a lot. Um, it, it's like poker, right? You want to make the you want to get in the hand with the with the guy who doesn't quite know what they're doing, and there's so many different things. I'll, I'll just go with this: the Pringles. I, I like to call it the Pringles move. Um, this is a really bad thing to do, and even expert dynasty players fall into this trap. 
you decide you're going to rebuild. Let's say you take over a new team. You're going to rebuild. And what you start doing is you make a trade. You make your first trade. And then everyone goes, ooh, fresh meat. I'm going to make an offer. I'm going to make a trade. I'm going to make a trade. I want to make a trade with this guy. Sometimes it makes sense to make your first trade be not so big and lose it by a little bit, which kind of signals to everybody, hey, you should try to come after me. Because then you get into the pot with them. And then you see like what happens. Problem is then you make a good trade. And everyone's like, wow, what a trade. Great trade, dude. That was awesome. Oh, my God, what great value. So then what you want to do is you want to make the next trade and the next trade. And you just you will force trades when you get into the I call it the Pringles, the Pringles syndrome. Gentlemen, don't fall into the Pringles syndrome. You got to make your trades. Stop. Breathe. See where things land. Don't just decimate your team. I mean, we and we've seen a league that we're in, James. We were talking about a, a player who did this last year who just didn't stop and just never caught and, and gave away so much value. And you just have to be careful about that. So I'd so, say so I'd the say Pringles, the Pringles reference is into like once you pop, you can't stop, right? That's right. Once you pop your first trade, you can't stop. And you got to stop. Just wanted to clarify put away, put away, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I guess there are people who might not know that commercial. <laughs> once you pop, you can't stop. Once you pop, you can't stop. James? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's maybe not a – um, like beginning of a dynasty league type of mistake, but I just think uh, the worst place you can be is is uh, in the middle, but trying to make win now moves when it's just unrealistic. Like when you're just basically finishing, let's say it's like a twenty team league, and every year you're finishing in that yes. like fourteen to eight range. But you don't. It's not like you have this loaded farm system that's on the way, and it's not like you're a trade or two away from being a big time contender. Yet you just continue to make these moves where you're just trying to get better uh, at the big league level. Like you, you need to just be extremely realistic with yourself about where your team's at, because otherwise you're just waste. You're not going to be picking high enough in that first year player draft the next year to get those elite guys but you're also just kind of spinning your wheels trying to compete in the short term. Um, so that, that, I mean, that's not even a knob. Like, that's not like even a beginner thing. Like I see this with people that have been in leagues for like four five, six years. And it's just like, they can't, uh, they're not, they're too impatient to go through that multi-year rebuild that, that they kind of need to go through. I got you. Can I, can I throw in a, a thought about that too? Of Clay? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I'll, I'll, let me add to that. There's even something worse and this is the worst. It's the guy who decides in June that he's tired of rebuilding and decides that they want to make their team better. That's the most dangerous. That's that's the worst thing you can do. Like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebuild. I'm going to rebuild. It's like, you know what? I'm so sick of seeing my name at the bottom of the standings. Just I, I just want to get some good players. I just want to have some fun. <laughs> Doing that is is uh, – there's one player in a league I played with many years ago who did that all the time, every year. And then you could just, it was like clockwork. So I'll trade you, you could give me, I'll give you the prospects in the off season and give me your players. And now we're coming to May 15th, which is always a, you know, that end of the end of April, beginning of May is when people start to change their ideas of where they want to go. And it's like, you know, I just, I want to go for the money. It's like, never go for the money. Don't go for the money. Just <laughs> don't gonna, go for the money. Go for the win. Say, James, you were. Just at me next time. Uh, you're subtweeting me. No, I'm kidding. But I in, in RDI, RIP to RDI. But I was kind of you know that was my big mistake was from day one draft day just toeing the line, not really committing one way or the other. And that was the case throughout the, the years of that league. Whereas like you know always in that in that six to fourteen range as you described, James. So 
Um, yeah, that is a I lesson mean, I, a, I had to learn. There's a league devil's rejects that James and I are in. We're not partners, which is not as much fun, but, um, in this league, I was speaking to one of the owners trying to make a trade this weekend. And he was like, you know, your, your team doesn't make any sense to me. I was like, really? And he said, I don't think you're playing dynasty baseball. Right. I said, okay. And he said, uh, because you, you, you're just, you keep taking major league guys in this draft and it's a different setup. I, mean, I think a 45 man roster, we keep 28 and we're playing for now. And right now, and we have four or five good prospects that we really like, but I'm just accumulating as much talent as I can in this year because we're trying to win. Wilson Caraman and I are trying to win this year. And next year, our team is pretty good, and it's going to move forward really, really well. But it's like you don't have to. He said you got to, if you're, you know, there's no need to go all in. You should always keep 25%. Not necessarily. Yeah. Like if you're going for it, and if you're not buying, I, I don't I don't advocate buying the Michael Brantley's of the world and the Max Scherzer's of the world, because then you get an old, but if you're buying young, strong talent, that's just the way to go. Anyway. That's yeah. Just you stuff. just, I just had one foot in one foot out and it just, no, can't do frustrating it. Frustrating. And you can't, you absolutely can't. It, it, people don't understand. There's nothing more fun than rebuilding in a dynasty league. It's the best <laughs> because you're picking up players off the wire and then flipping them and then just continue. Just, it doesn't matter what positions, just fill your team with value, just get as much value as you can until the time comes that you have enough value that you can go back into the game. Yeah, and if you're just starting a dynasty league at launch, like have a plan. I know James, you kind of like to play for year two. Uh, one of the teams in RDI, I forget the owners exactly. Tom, something. I'm Greg sorry, and Tom. Greg and Tom. Yeah, um, they were playing for many years down the road, so they was kind of like punting on day one, but. You know, I was I didn't have a clear plan and was kind of playing both sides, and it, it didn't work out for me. Never. Um, I, I'm with James. I never play for the first year. That's one of the reasons why we did well together. But I never play for year one in, in a startup dynasty league ever. I'm always I I, I want to invest in twenty. Let's say I'm doing a startup this week. I'm going to invest in 2021. I'm not doing anything in 2021. Then 2022, I'm moving towards the money. And then 2023, we've got the championship in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. There might be an injury, so we might come in second. 2027, we'll get the championship <laughs> back. That's what you want. Yeah. That's how you want to build. You got to take a little bit of, you know, it's like going to, you want to be a doctor, go to medical school for four years, pay the price, and you get to be a rich person who drives a, you know, Tesla for the rest of your life. It's sort, sort of similar to that. I want to get your thoughts, guys, on just kind of a general strategy thing with Dynasty Leagues, another one. You know, you see a guy post on their trade block, you see some players you like, you're interested. What's the process for you with, with engaging them? James, let's start with you this time. Um, you know, I I think this is this is kind of where Ian's expertise is um, ahead of mine, like, I'm just, I'm not as active, uh, unless if I see someone, um, who I maybe have gotten the better of in a trade in the past or something like that, and they're updating their block, uh, of course I'm, I'm going to be interested and, um, you know, sometimes I'll just send an offer, uh, unsolicited. Sometimes I'll send an email or a direct message or something like that. And just sort of say like, Hey, like kind of like these guys, I might even, lie about the exact players i'm interested in um and just you know depending on who the, the other manager is but um you know you basically just kind of want to get a conversation rolling if if it's a manager who i've just never really had success coming to terms with on a, on a trade in the past or i just 
like there's managers I I play against where like I just don't think they ever are going to accept an offer unless they think they're clearly winning the offer and so I just don't even interact with those people when it comes to trades but um it really depends on who's posting uh the the update to their trade block um and then I'll approach it kind of in different ways you know seeing you Ian any uh any approach that you generally take when you're first reaching out with somebody about a trade? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a slightly different question, but um, here's what I'll tell you: every every player I treat, every player in the league is treated differently by me in terms of how I approach them in trades, because different guys want different stuff. One thing I'll tell you is I never or hardly ever post on the trade block unless I'm in talks about that player and about to move them, and here's why. Once you post on the block a guy that you want to move, you're automatically dropping 10% of their value off the top because you're already talking about moving them. If I've got a guy that I think, like Michael Pineda is a guy. Turns out James Anderson likes Michael Pineda quite a bit. Okay. If I, and I own Michael Pineda and the Devil's Rejects, I'm not going to put Pineda on the block. I'm going to reach out to James Anderson and I'm going to say, hey, look, you've got this. I've got Pineda. Can we find a way to make this work? Because otherwise, you're, you're giving away power in, in the conversation. I've said this before. I like being on the phone both ways. And it's not just, I mean, some people are like, never get on the phone with Ian Khan. That's not right. Get on the phone with me. And here's why. Because I'm going to get information from you, and you're going to get information from me, and we're going to close a deal. And what people always say is, damn, man. And what, you know, everyone says, well, you're, you're always winning trades. No, I'm not always winning trades. And certainly not when we're on the telephone. What happens is we find a way that it works best for both teams. I, I don't think I said this on your show, but the difference between I'm playing with all these poker players now in this league, Brett Sarah and I share a, 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 a league and, and I'm talking to these poker players. I'm like, look, it's not like poker where one of us is going to win the pot and the other one goes away empty handed. Like the goal here is that both of us make our teams better. And the two lists at the athletic or the draft kit drop today and subscribe, please, please subscribe. Um, the lists are there to help you find how those match up best. And that's, that's what it's about. And, and so, and what people say is like, wow, you know, I, I was really expecting, you really do make fair offers. And that's the trick. If you make an offer that is unfair to someone else, you're poisoning the well. Like I like to make an offer. I always do this. My first offer to somebody is an offer that they might take. I don't play the negotiation game. I don't play, I don't like playing the squeeze game with people at all. I'd rather give you a little bit more of an edge to get what it is that I want and what it is that you want. People are like, wow, yeah, actually that that's pretty good. Wow, I'm surprised. I, I accept. That's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And I know how to value it and figure it out. There are tricks. There are little, little tricks to help nudge. Go ahead, James. I think with, with what you were just saying about like making fair offers, I think it's it's important to take the time, take 10, 15 minutes before you make the offer to make sure that it makes sense. Because like yeah. the, the times when I've sent like a BS offer, it's because I just did it in like two minutes and just was, was kind of in a rush and was just like, oh, I, I like that player. Like here's an offer and then I'll come back and be like, oh, actually that was a crappy offer. I shouldn't have sent that. I should have taken more time to, kind of look at what this guy might be interested in or, um, you know, I, I think you, you have to take the time um, to make a good, fair, smart offer. For yeah. sure. And ahead, when sorry, you, I'm sorry, just when you 
send out a crappy offer, you're cutting off communication long term too. That's just what I wanted. To yeah, add. I mean it's it's recoverable for sure. Yeah, it's recoverable, but you got to go. You got to look. I look at it from the other guy's point of view. What does this look like to him when he sees it or her? What does it look like to them when they see this offer? Does this make their team better? Does this fill holes for them? Does this feel like good value to them? Also, look, I look at passion, too. If someone's on a, on a radio show talking about how much they love a player, and I don't agree with that evaluation, I own the player, that player is going to be on the I'm going to be on the phone with that guy, that person, within a day saying, look, I know you like the guy. I like him, too. Uh, but you got this guy. Do you like this guy? Because I really like this guy's on your team. I'll give you this guy for this guy, and maybe we'll do a draft pick swap. I think just communication Actually, honesty and openness is a good thing and trying to find a deal that works best for both players. So Tim McLeod, who is the nicest man in fantasy baseball, except for maybe Clay Link, but I still got Tim McLeod. Tim McLeod's got years on you, brother. Um, Tim McLeod taught me that when I first started playing the game, and and I I stick by that. Nice. And yeah, I I say pick up the the phone when Ian calls. I mean, you just it's hard to tell him no. Uh, But if you you just got to learn to tell Ian no. No, no. Sometimes... I've I've been in trades with people. Because you're such where, a nice guy. Well, not not always. <laughs> not always. Don't I hear you, but I just I just know that you know anybody who says, "Oh, I'm going to get ripped off by Ian." I mean, that's not the case at all. I mean, if you're no, there have been times where I've been in on trades where someone's willing to give me more than I should get, and I've stopped them. I said, <laughs> "Come on now, I got at least you let me." Are a nice uh, guy. I'm going to add a, a pick. Well, it's also, you you know, if you if you want to trade any more than 60-40 on the face, you're not doing anybody any good. Yeah. You know, and the value, people are like, oh, it's the trades, it's the trades, that's why you, you, you win by trade. No, you win by pickups on Sundays. You win by finding the guys who are going to grow and then flipping those for other players. It's picking up the Jared Walsh for a buck. It's picking up the Zach Gallon for a buck before he becomes Zach Gallon, that then you can have on your team forever. I mean, that that's that's the thing that differentiates, I think. I mean, yes, there's value. There are going to be trades that happen, but you're going to make mistakes too. I've made some mistakes, man. I made some trades that deeply, you know, you're in your, it's more easy to remember the ones that you screwed up, to be honest. That's true. Oh, 100, 100%. Like, yeah. I, I, like, you know, we've all met. Like, I mean, you and I have probably made – triple digit trades just in the past like five years if we factor in all the leagues we're in yeah. and i i always remember the the ones i screwed up and i can barely remember the ones that i, I remember like, once when we traded for felipe uh, felipe vasquez right didn't we trade for him like right at the end of the season gave up like a bunch because we were we were in the and then you know and now he's out of baseball so is that this one am i saying the right guy the guy the pittsburgh pirates were leaving yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember in the Staff Keeper League 2, this is like the only trade that really sticks out in my mind from that league, but trading you, James Carlos Correa, a couple years before he debuted for Arismendi Alcantara. <laughs> and maybe a pick. Not, not great. So, that, yeah, the bad ones always do stand out. But, Ian, I wanted to follow up with you. I, I know sure. you're not, like, predatory when it comes to trades at all. You do like to talk on the phone. Um, yes, very much. But is there a way you maybe – you know, maybe you like somebody or maybe you've seen them make some questionable trades and you, you do want to to make some moves with them, but you don't want to put them on high alert. Is there a is there a, a way you capitalize without maybe tipping your hand a little bit? I just call that, them. <laughs> I just that call question, them. Yeah, it was weird yeah, no, I just call thing. them and I say, hey, good trade. I uh, see so you're making some moves. You want to, is there a guy here? You know, I, I try to, it's, 
everyone does that, right? You see a guy make a trade and you go, whoa, whoa. And you want to find out, like, what were you thinking to make that trade? Well, okay, can I? Can we think that way for my team too? Let's <laughs> let's find a way to to make that happen. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's an art. Actually, trading is an art. It's and it's a skill, but it's an art. And you gotta you gotta feel where the other person's at. The one thing you that I've learned through the years, if they don't want to do it, you don't push. Yeah. All good, man. No pressure. Like you're not held. And I never hold anybody to anything. Like if, if you say, well, you know, I'm kind of thinking that and yeah, Ian, think about that. And I go and I think about it and then I come back to them and like, you know, Ian, I mean, I said that I would do it, but I'm kind of having second thoughts about it. I say, dude, you're good. It's not, it's not official till it's official because you don't want, I don't want anybody feeling bad. No one should press accept on a trade. They're not excited about. I don't want anybody doing that ever. It's no fun. And part of the game is fun. And these are, you guys are my friends. These, these people are my friends. I, I don't want them to not have a good time. I hope so, that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. James? Ian, you mentioned that team that you and Brett uh, co-manage. Yeah. Um, and I know <laughs> that you you and a bunch of the guys from DR were uh, talking about just sort of strategy and sort of deciding, you know, like how do you know when it's time yeah. to playing for year two if you're playing for year three? Like how do you know when it's time to start moving those prospects? Uh, because you definitely – you don't want to be too impatient. No, you can't be trade your prospects before they've fully, you know, gotten to their, their high point in value. Um, so how do you really know when it is time to kind of push that, that button? Well, this team is, is, uh, bizarre. Um, and it's, it's, it's a slightly different story than most teams in most leagues. Cause it's a thousand dollar year buy-in and Brett and I are splitting it. Right. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to do that. It's going to change the way I think about the game. But what we did, and we both went in with the same, and we said, yeah, well, let's team up. <laughs> like, we'll team up. I was like, I'm teammates with James. I can be teammate with Robert Mershak, with Wilson Caraman. It's a good thing to do in Dynasty Leagues. I do like teaming up. Um, so we had the first pick in the draft. I'm going to go through this really quickly because it's worth it and it's shocking. We took um, Acuna 1 because we had the first pick. Then we took uh, Eloy at 30, 20, not 30, whatever it is. And then um, Keston here at 31. And the way it's set up is like a score sheet league where you only keep your major league players and then you can. So we had the first four picks in the draft. So we had coming to us and we drafted Torkelson, Austin Martin. Someone had dropped Mike Soroka and actually we dropped Keston Hira. So we only kept two players. We only kept Eloy. We knew we were going to get Hira back or we expected that we would. But the whole thing was to get Torkelson, really Torkelson and then Martin. But on this team we have, I'm just going to read it really quick. Um, it's all players, and if they once they lose their rookie eligibility, they become in this other thing. So I'm just going to read down from the top. Mountcastle, Hura, Madrigal, Acuna, Dylan Carlson, Eloy, Kirilov, Brendan Rogers, Francisco Alvarez, Adley Rutschman, Austin Wells, Andrew Vaughn, Nolan Gorman, Austin Martin, Spencer Torkelson, C.J. Abrams, Nick Gonzalez, Marco Luciano, Bobby Wood Jr., Jazz Chisholm, Joe Adele, Corbin Carroll, Jason Dominguez, Jared Kalanick, Trevor Larnock, Helio Ramos, Julio Rodriguez, Alec Thomas, Taylor Trammell, and Zach Veen. That's a 15-team dynasty league. That's not so the question, the line. It was. It's a clear plan in place. It seems without like. question, and nobody else was playing the plan, so it left everybody open to us. We got. We have the top. We have 18 of the top 20. The one guy we don't have, Royce Lewis, rest in peace. So sorry. 
Um, but tough, yeah, tough that's injury. That's horrible. Today. I yeah, saw that really, this morning. Not rest in peace. That's not what I mean. Obviously, I don't mean yeah. that. So I was talking with the Devil's Rejects guys. We were doing the night of the draft. Uh, Tom Trudeau put this thing together. It was really fun. And some of the best minds in Dynasty all coming together. And Brett and I sort of said, this is where we're at. We have a team here. And we could we could sell off four or five top 20 hitting prospects and make a team to compete this year which would then put us in the money because it's a thousand dollar a year buy-in so if you come in third i think you get four if you come no two and then if you come in second you get four and if you come in first you get eight something like that i don't know what the math is maybe it's two five and eight so if we get five grand to share between us that would be fun if we wait another year and we let the fruit stay on the tree a little longer, we'll probably have a longer line of dynasty victories. But that might not be smart either, because once we're so locked in as the by far, you know, winner, when are these guys going to just I fold? I'm out. I'm out of this league. I'm out of this league. So we were talking about, like, where where is the balance? OK, great. That's what we were talking about. But the reality is because they're poker players and they're in a thousand dollar a year, nobody wants to play for the future. They're like, I don't want to play for the future. I want to play for now. So th- the prices on the prospects I'm finding are slightly different because of that. Um, and so it it makes us, you know, our lineup is pretty great. It's uh, one catcher league. So Molina, at catch- and it's not great, but it's good with all those prospects coming. We've got Molina catcher, Mountcastle first, Hura second, Keyboom third, Orlando Orsia shortstop. Obviously nothing great here. Corner infield, Choi. Middle infield, Madrigal, and then outfield is good. Acuna, Rosarena, Carlson, Jimenez, Kirilov, and then two util spots in Garcia and Brendan Rodgers. If we move four or five guys from the top of that list, we could populate the team. And so that was what that that that's that was what the uh, that was what the conversation was about. And ha- have I given enough, uh, James? What do you think of where we are in our plan? We're still staying open to what happens next. But what what do you think based on all that you just heard? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a key point that you made about uh, if you put together too much of a juggernaut with that type of buy-in, you worry about the league's viability. Like, the worst thing that could happen is that the league folds before you guys <laughs> before you guys take home a title, right? Um, yeah, it, it won't fold that soon. It'll fold after our second title. When we win our second title with 140-odd points – in a row and they see that there's nothing that's going to change that because this is a full on dynasty. There's no salaries. There's no keeper rules. It's just get everybody, keep everybody. I think we're, we're going to be pretty nasty and it, it would be more fun. So we, we just have to figure, you know, we've got, there's a guy, really great guy uh, who I've gotten to know this year who wants Torkelson and he's willing to pay for Torkelson, but do we want Torkelson? You know what I mean? Like, What's what's the balance there? If we're going to get, if we're going to get, oh screw it, I'll just tell you, Francisco Lindor straight up for Torkelson. Like, what do you do? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think you, yeah. you I take think you deal. take Lindor. Um, yeah. you have to. Not as much I fun. I love it, Lindor. But that is fascinating. Like, you have a plan, but then how much do you deviate? It's it's tough because you can't deviate too much, or else you, you sacrifice uh, that window a little bit. A real quick note before we finish up here i want to ask you guys a little bit about your draft champions you're doing together but auto new fantasy baseball is the next level fantasy baseball challenge you've been looking for experience a year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters accumulate prospects to lead your team in the future or move for a superstar at the trade deadline keep your baseball mind engaged in the offseason with trades and arbitration learn more about why everyone who plays auto new becomes addicted 
at autonewbaseball.com. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-U baseball.com. Auto New Better Fantasy Baseball. Uh, before we do get into your draft champions that you're doing together through about 17 rounds, I hear. Any other dynasty topics on your mind? Uh, anything else you want to add to the dynasty conversation? Yeah, dynasty theory is awesome. It's so much fun. There's so many different angles to play it from. And uh, I really love talking about it. And I love thinking about it and figuring out the best way to uh, to make your team the best, whatever it is. It's just, it's a really great game. I, I, I love it. I really do. I, I'm not bored of it. I love it. That's, That's it. I just want to say that. I do love it, too. I kind of miss RDI, but we did have an auto-new draft last night. And I'll be, I'll be scratching that dynasty itch uh, for, for many years to come. So your guys' draft champions, since RDI did, you know, uh, shut down. You guys wanted to to team up, and I, I love yeah. it. You guys, uh, you know, you guys are both smart, and then you, when you put your minds together, I mean, this could be a juggernaut here. You went with Trey Turner in the first. I pick seven. Uh, pick seven. Okay, I like that. You took him over Trout, did you not? Yep. Yeah, I, this, I, that was that was probably me. Um, no, I was good with I it. Mean, I, I mean, yeah, it. I I I just think it's. Uh, kind of imperative to get speed or pitching there um and i and trout could run again but if he doesn't run again yeah the guy i wanted was the 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 argument i had and it was just we didn't have a chance to discuss it beforehand so there's nothing to be done was the pick at us picking at seven i would have preferred i think four or five especially with what happened in the second round knowing it because i just think soto is so much soto and bets to me are the two guys that I'm targeting at the top of those at four or five. Cause you know, Cunha is going to go Tatis is going to go. Sometimes Soto gets grabbed in those top two, but, um, but you can't argue Trey Turner, man. I mean, he, he's, if he comes through, he puts us in position, not just to win our league, but to compete for the overall, which is, you know, the charm of what we're thinking. We're like, perhaps we will win the overall together. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's possible. We talked to Rob DiPietro and he beat out, like four thousand plus teams, so it's it's a long shot, but you wanna you wanna aim for that overall if you can. Play Link won the overall in TGFBI in 2019. <laughs> I'm quite sure everyone remembers, and if you don't, please do. And I'm gonna be competing against him in AL Labor in about <laughs> two weeks, and so oh, I'm not sure I want to be telling you too much stuff about the, what I was thinking about in this draft. But here we go. But yeah, I mean, I beat out like 195 teams, not four thousand plus like Rob did, but you. This draft champions overall is winnable if you had the right build, but I think Turner is a great pick because yes, with that in like mind, James, you just keep it your was options James's open. Call. I mean, this is how we do it. One of us has a call, and the other one says, "I agree." You know, nice. it's how James and I tend to do it. So he was really like, I was like, ah, I kind of feel like Trout here. He's like, No, I think Turner. Don't you think? I was like, Okay, yeah, no, I see it. Let's go Turner. You got to have some uh, give when you're sharing a team. You got to oh yeah. Well, we have a good. We got that. Like yeah. we know how to do. That. Ready. You trust each other. That's that's a big thing. He's James Anderson. Brandon Woodruff, you followed up with Zach Gallon, and then James and I were talking about your fourth hey, round. Slow pick. down, slow down, slow down. Okay. We took Brandon Woodruff, Clay. I know. What do you I, think of that? Like we took Brandon, Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff at twenty four. <laughs> we did. Clay was trying to Clay was trying to zoom. Past I was trying to. Bit, so no, James man. and I are going to be debating Woodruff <laughs> at first pitch Florida online soon enough. I. You know, I'm not going to hate on it. I just think there are probably better better options available. Um, <laughs> that's as ruthless as Clay will get. Yep, and, that's pretty ruthless. Uh, okay, now okay. we can move on. We just had I know, to get I, I get it. I just no, – maybe on, I have we, some anti-homerism being up here in Wisconsin. 
and I yeah. kind of hate on the Brewers a little bit. I think, well, it's your Reds fan, you freaking <laughs> fans. Um, I, I but, do like with the skills. I just don't know if the workload's going to be there. To you and that you thing. will be. Look, we're, I'm going to be on this show sometime in July talking about the newest rankings that just dropped. And Woodruff's going to be on the IL, and we're going to be sitting here eating our our you know hats. And you'll or he'll be, like, be a top ten guy. One of the two. Yeah, one of those. And then we took Zach Gallon, which I've never done. Um, and this was, you know, I watched film on him. What a beautiful pitcher, man! I mean, he's really, really good. And then who's after that? Yeah, who's after yeah, that? Gallon, I love. And then we were talking about this pick on the XM show last week because you guys were making calls in between segments and talking it through. Yeah, it sounds like you couldn't really settle on a hitter you like, James, kind of like Vladdy. Oh, you, right. Ian, kind of like Aaron Judge at this pick. But since you couldn't really come to terms, you guys both settled on a third straight pitcher, your first relief pitcher, Liam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Can you talk yeah. us through that decision-making? You want to do it, James, or should I? Well, I, I think it, in hindsight, it, it kind of worked out perfectly just because we got Luke Boyd with our next pick. And, right. um, you know, closer, like the, the runs at closer are pretty crazy. And... Um, I think Ian and I are both kind of off Josh Hader at his cost right now. Unquestionably. Uh, I, I like Chapman, but I mean, this would have been too early. I think for Chapman, I mean, Hendricks probably has, you know, I mean, he could be the number one closer by, uh, by a healthy margin this year. I mean, he could have one of those types of seasons. So, um, you know, this kind of freed us up, you know, those four picks, you get the 30 plus deals from Turner, the two aces and the top closer. Then from there, you can still kind of take any type of player you want because you don't have any, I mean, you, you need power, but um, I think it just kind of freed us up to, to kind of go best player available more than we maybe would have been yeah, otherwise. And, and, and sure. it was also us talking through like which closers we liked and trying to see where there was some, um overlap because you know if, if we just keep passing on closes because neither of us can agree then all of a sudden we're stuck taking a guy that we don't really like that much anyway um so i think this was kind of a good way to just get those saves on board and also the the thing that i've learned through the years is you gotta like you gotta take your medicine i maybe this is just my 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 lesson for myself for the day is like you gotta you gotta pay the price so you can enjoy later because the worst feeling in a in a 50 draft 50 round draft is realizing that you don't have enough saves so that then you then spend picks 30 through 45 grabbing as many possible save guys as possible which is just it just decimates your team in terms of depth you have, you end up with yeah. all these middle relievers or setup guys maybe one so, or two pans out if you're lucky right but and 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 you need to do it and we're we really are we're going for the overall here we're, we want to win our league but we want to we want to put a statement up on the board and taking Hendricks there I'm a big fan of getting a closer that we feel really strong about I think I was more pushing for Hendricks in that spot. And of all the closers, he's the one that I have the most faith in by far. I like the team. I, I like that he just signed this big contract. I think, you know, I think he's safe in the job. I think Chapman's safe in the job. I don't think, I have no guarantee Hader's going to be safe in the job. Diaz, I mean, if you go down the list, who do you trust to close? Like three guys, five <laughs> guys, like for the whole thing. So you you got you to gotta go get one of those guys if you want to win, I think. That's at least my belief, especially because there's no it's different in leagues where there's fab. There's no fab. There's no pickups of guys. There's no looking ahead in the old Tim McLeod way of, 
I think, well, you know, Ian, I think this guy's going to end up closing in about three weeks. You don't get to do that. Not in this game. Yeah, I, I like that, too, because you guys, I mean, emerged from your first four rounds with like a foothold in really every category. Um, not power. I, I mean, not power, but, but I mean, Turner's not a zero there. Nope, not a zero. And then next week, well, there we go. Yeah, you, you address that with Luke Voigt. And then yeah. Jose Altuve, I imagine, was a Ian a lobby special where he kind of talked oh. you into it, James. Not really? No, no. Um, okay. I mean, there there were maybe a couple of those, but not Al, not Altuve. I mean, no. I, I'm I'm a I'm a big believer in in him, kind of where he's going. Like you know, you compare him to uh, like Keston Hira. I mean, I, I think I'd go Altuve there. And I think it's just, it's kind of, you know, he's coming off of a down year, obviously. But, I mean, he's not as old as I think people think he is. And, um, I mean, he's just going to help you in a little bit of everything, I think, over a full season. And also we had a plan for later that there was a guy that I was targeting. There's some power guys I was targeting later for us that came to fruition. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... We wanted to balance that out. We're, one of my weaknesses in my game tends to be that I don't look at average enough. So I get to the end of the season. And last year, a lot of second place with a lot of average hurting. So it's something that I got to you know, I gotta improve. I'm good at parts of the game, not as good in other parts of the game. So I just wanted to keep my eye out on uh, on that. So that's nice, – that's, yeah. no, Altuve was not – Altuve, I think we pretty much agreed on everybody here coming up. Yeah, because if we didn't agree, we found somebody we agreed on. Nice. Yeah, I just know that you were kind of the original in the this off season, like Altuve believer, and you just pointed out how good the postseason was. And that's right. Yeah, I that's mean, true. this guy was good for a decade, maybe a Hall of Famer. I mean, maybe the cheating scandal dings him a little bit, but the track record of him being good is just so long that I mean, you can't. Write we were taking him out. in the second round two yeah. years ago, in the in the end of the second first. overall, yeah, like three years ago. Yeah. So you know, I, I like guys like that. Yeah, I like guys the running with, with bounce back. Maybe a little questionable, but who knows? Yeah, he he can go. still run. He had one maybe Buxton, eight. Yeah, and Buxton can run a little bit. He didn't do much of that last year, but we know he still has that skill. Maybe uh, James had to be talked into Stanton. Maybe maybe that's the one he had to be talked into. Is that right? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't have – I mean, this is probably going to be the only team I have Stanton on, but I, I got the case for it. Uh, and I, I think kind of given – the rest of our team, I think it made a lot of sense. Yeah. What do you yeah, think, Ian, of Stanton for redraft? I mean, I are you like a huge believer? Nah, I think he was very well worth the spot right there. He was somebody who we were that felt the next guys was interesting to me. And Matt Chapman, I've never owned Matt Chapman. We had just missed out. We we wanted uh, Chris Bryant, and he got sniped from us. A couple of you know, and we were deciding between Stanton and Bryant. We're like, we think Bryant will make it. Um, and he didn't. And then Chapman showed up, and I was like, "Do you like Chapman?" And James was like, "Yeah, kind of do, right?" Isn't that how I went down? Well, yeah, I've, I've liked Chapman for a long time. I I am a little worried about the hip, but it just it sounds like you know he's it sounds like he's in really good shape right now, uh, and it sounds like he's got a lot to to prove. Um, I mean, I, I think the and breakout the end years, of the year. It's either going to come this year or next year for him, where he just has a, a monster year. And he they, and I had just read an article that said that he was really in great shape and he was really focused on the game. And so I, I was in on I was in on on Chappie and then uh, Gallo and then Carlson. Dylan Carlson fell pretty significantly there. Yeah, he yeah, fell outside the top one hundred and fifty. 
Yeah, he fell outside of the almost top 200, I thought. Didn't he? What pick number was that? I can I can't um, remember. I thought it was I thought it was more of like 155, 165, something like that. What was his what was like what is his round, maybe? I mean, he's been going around like pick 130, I want to say. Yeah, no, he was falling. And we considered him with a with a pick before and then decided that we didn't want to uh, that we we were going to just wait and we could find that talent somewhere else. And James is, you know, James is really high on Dylan Carlson. So I, I that was one where I was like, all right, let's go along. I'm along for the ride. Yeah, the adjustments I mean, he made seemed to to really pay off there. He was bad in cleanup for that team by the end. So, and then we got to uh, like, but but when he fell, I was like, all right, let's do it. And then after that, we went to uh, Richard Rodriguez, which was an interesting. We had an interesting. We were both watching film of him at the same time, and was sort of like, hey, he's really only 92, 93. Like he's not going much harder than that. But at that point in the draft, to get that second closer that we really did feel like was going to have the job, just it, it just seemed too good to pass up. And we thought that was the end of that tier. And then uh, you want to tell the next one? Sure. Well, yeah, Chris Bassett. Sorry, James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, uh, I, I. Our next. I mean, the. The the exciting picks are kind of over for the most part. Um, but hey, hey, Candelario, come on! Well, well hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ian, Ian and I did uh, really want uh, Candelario because um, oh, he's okay. our corner infielder and he's eligible at first and third, which is just a really nice element of flexibility there. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially probably, in, especially in a DC. And in, yeah, that's what I was going to say that it, it 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 his value goes up in that format for me. And I like him anyway, but his value went up there. And then Pineda, uh, which is how I know I might be calling my man James about Michael Pineda. <laughs> and then um, Pineda and then Gavin Lux and then into Manny Margot. And the reason we took Manny Margot really at the end of the day is because in the original RDI draft, we drafted Manny Margot. And so anytime we can get it's like, you know, getting back our boys. So we, <laughs> getting the we, band we, back together. Yeah, get the band back together. I, I like I think Margot's going to play quite a bit and steal some. Quite a few bags, so I don't hate that at all. Nothing the needed. Gallo pick, I just, I just can't take Gallo myself. But I, I imagine that was kind of one to address that power deficiency early on in the draft. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I mean, Gallo, Gallo's, Gallo's not a huge target for anybody. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, at that point, with what we needed, it made some sense. And Richard Rodriguez, you know, I can't hate on that pick, but I do wonder, you know, that Pirates team's just tearing everything down when when he might go. Uh, we'll see, but uh, great stuff, Ian. We got to wrap things up here. I know you uh, you are kind with your time, and I don't want to keep you too long. But uh, anything else you want to mention that you got going on before we let you go? I'm lucky enough every week, even though I do this show like once a month or once every six weeks. Uh, every week I do my podcast with uh, Derek Van Riper and Nando Defino under the radar on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, we come out Tuesdays, and now I am a writer over at the Athletic, where I do my dynasty rankings. And uh, and I actually just got to say one last time, uh, the the draft kit dropped today at the Athletic. If you're not a, a subscriber, you should be a subscriber to the Athletic. You should be a subscriber to RotoWire. I've been saying that for years. I've meant it for years. I say it now. I mean it now. You get to read James Anderson. You get to read Clay Link. You get to read Jeff Erickson, Todd Zola, Jason Collette, some of the best in the game. So my tip of the cap to you guys. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thank you, Ian. And thanks. Uh for all the hard work you put in at RotoWire, and congrats again on your new role at The Athletic. Read his uh, 2021 Fantasy Baseball Dynasty League rankings as part of The Athletic's draft kit, which just launched. Anything else you want to mention, James? 
Uh, dropped the uh, 178 prospects you need to know in the AL East article earlier this week. The AL Central version of that goes up tomorrow, uh, and I'll be doing two of those uh, for the next few weeks here. Uh, also have some uh, some betting content on the way. I'll be doing some over-under nice. win totals picks, um, so just be on the lookout for that stuff. Dude, awesome, yeah. you're, the, you're the man. You're the man, James. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, we're ramping up our betting content, and James has had some good hits in the recent years. I remember one guy coming up to us, maybe it was just me, but he said uh, a couple of years ago at first pitch that we made him money on, on a raise over, James. So I'm looking forward to reading your betting content that's coming to the site. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate your time. And James and I will be back on Friday on SiriusXM for Farm Friday. Hope you'll join us. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.